Welcome to the Radical Christian Life with Doug and Paula. We're so excited as we discuss what it looks like to live the radical Christian life, following Jesus no matter the call, no matter the cost. Yeah, so let's get to it. Welcome back to the RCL. Today we have a great- RCL. What's RCL? Oh, the Radical Christian Life. Yes, that's great. With Doug and Paula's in a little parentheses yeah, there. That's right. The important thing is it's the RCL. That's the Radical right. Christian Life. Love it. Yeah. Um, well, we have a great title for you today. And the title of our podcast today is The Great Question for Christians. Yeah. And it's something that we get asked about a lot and have wrestled with ourselves. Mm -hmm. And it's a continuation of our series on the attributes and the names of God. So we started off, if you remember last time, we talked about that God is a creator and that God is personal, that God is self-sufficient and God is triunity. And we use the, the names of God of Elohim. And Yahweh. Yeah. So if you don't know what we're talking about, go back. Because <laughs> yeah. you need to understand that. Because it's it's yeah. important. Yeah. You know, I've been reading a book, The Knowledge of the Holy by A.W. Tozer. Not just in preparation for this, but I love the names of God and the attributes. And it's just such an encouraging thing to recognize and realize who the great God is that we actually serve. Yeah, you know, if Tozer was alive, I think he would be impressed to read your book. Because your book, the book you keep all your notes in about the names and attributes of God, uh, I think that's actually as good, if not better, than Tozer. You uh, just uh, well, didn't publish it yet. 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 So maybe. Yeah, uh, so. Well, yeah. yeah. <laughs> There's always anyway. the future. But yeah. hey, yeah. I do love that because yeah. I'm a word person. But I think it's just something that we really oftentimes don't stop and think through. We might hear a name. There's a old song. It's an old song now. It wasn't for a long time. El Shaddai. Yeah. That was made famous by Amy Grant, but it was actually written by Michael Card, who is one of our favorites oh, yeah, from remember, a long time ago. Yeah. And not even understanding what that means. Yeah. They're so rich. So yeah. if you need something to study, you know what? If you wrote us, I might share my notes with you oh. on the names of God. I mm, might. might. <laughs> yeah, so, that's pretty impressive. Anyway. Yeah. Can yeah. I write you? I'm, so I can you share them with me too? <laughs> you are shared. <laughs> You're, sure, you're yeah. shared on my notes app, okay. so there you go. Yeah. But today we want to look at the third of the big three names of God, yeah. and this one is Adonai. Adonai, it, yeah. yeah. So it's used over 440 times. Yeah. I found some discrepancy in how many I counted myself. I didn't know. I didn't count all 440, <laughs> but I, I you used did a my, search. Yeah, I yeah. did. I used my Blue Letter Bible mm-hmm. and some other things. My Blue Letter Bible app. And some other things, but it's definitely used a lot. Yeah. What's the word mean? What's the name well, mean? It's, Not the word name. it's master and sovereign. Yeah. And it gives the idea of headship, submission. Mm-hmm. Oh, the dreaded S word, <laughs> submission <laughs> yeah. and obedience. Yeah. But there, those are strong words. So, you know, we really can't... Um, fully understand and connect with Yahweh if we don't connect with Adonai. Yeah. And then, and like Elohim, uh, it's a unique word because it's used in the plural, like we talked about when we talked about Elohim. Mm. And uh, it's not just used for God. Actually, when it's used mm-hmm. in the singular, Adon, mm-hmm. it's used for people. Mm-hmm. Like David calls Saul Adon, my mm-hmm. Lord or my master. Mm-hmm. And so it's used of people, it's used of mm-hmm. other gods. So it's always to remember like Elohim and Adonai can be used for other deities, mm-hmm. but not the covenantal name Yahweh. Yes. That's the covenantal name. Yeah, and, that uh, no one uses that name. Yeah. And so how it's used in a good, a good way to understand it comes from Psalm one where I'm um, so Psalm one, Psalm 
chapter 8, verse 1. Mm. Psalm 8, 1 has the famous uh, saying, O Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. Mm. O Yahweh, our master or our Lord. O mm. Lord, our Lord. That's how we say it in English, but really in Hebrew it would be read, O covenant God, our Lord or our master. How mm. majestic is your name mm. in all the earth. So. You know when I quote that verse? You don't even know this. I quote this verse every time we're in a plane and it takes off. Oh, is that right? I do. Because yeah. I just think, wow, that God gave somebody, God gave somebody the mind to create something like this where there's 400 other people flying off the ground. He's a majestic God. Really? Because you know, I quote later on in that verse where it says, what is man that thou art mindful of him and the son of man that thou dost take uh, thought of him? I, and I always quote that verse as like, what is man? What, you, you, and I say the same idea that you created huh. engineers and people who can figure out airflow and to put a tin yeah. can up in the sky with three or 400 yeah. people. That's pretty amazing. So, You're scientific. Huh. I'm expressive. There so there we go. We, I didn't even know that. See, yeah. we learn yeah. about each other. Yeah, that's, that's why, why we, we do, do the do. podcast. <laughs> yeah. It's a great marriage therapy. So if you're having problems with your marriage, just do a podcast together. Maybe you'll come communicate better yeah, so yeah anyways wait a minute it has caused some stress <laughs> yeah, and exactly. some things that we yes, have to yes. walk through so actually if there's any crack in your armor in your marriage don't do a podcast <laughs> it will yeah. expose it's it. a whole nother thing yeah. yeah uh one of the interesting things too is we just talked about that but adonai and yahweh are used many times i didn't i didn't use my search apps to figure out how many times that they're used Braggart. together. <laughs> no, you did. I didn't. I'm, no, I was bragging on you that you went. You know it already. <laughs> no, I don't know. That's the whole point. But many times in the Old Testament, those names are used mm. together. Adonai Yahweh. And you'll mm. see it, Lord, it's translated Lord God. And mm -hmm. Lord is in capital letters, letters L-O-R-D, showing it's the covenantal name Yahweh. And then God is actually representing Adonai. Mm. And so, um, and a lot of translations. How many people, how many of you listeners out there actually have read the preface of your Bible? The mm. translator's notes. Mm. I mean, the King James has a preface of what the translators were trying to do in translation. And almost every time in the preface, they'll talk about how they translated this together, these divine names. Oh, wow. Yeah, and so... Yeah. Yeah. Anyways, that's a little, uh, little all for free. Yeah, <laughs> there you for go. Free. There you yeah. go. Now, but I do love where it's used in Genesis fifteen two, mm -hmm. where it says, "Oh Lord God, what will you give me since I am childless and the heir of my house is Eliezer of Damascus?" So that's when Abram is questioning God. Yeah, where, where, where's Basically. my? Yeah, you promised me a heir? son. Yeah. yeah, so I'm going to go ahead and take this servant in my house and make him my heir. And, yeah. and it's great because he, he does. He says, oh, Adonai Yahweh. Mm -hmm. He uses the two names together and it's perfect because he's he's questioning God. He's wrestling with God. He's asking for God. And so he's saying, God, you're the covenant God, Yahweh. Mm -hmm. You're the personal God who I have a relationship with, but you're also Adonai who's able to give me a son in this old age. What's going on here? I'm going to go ahead and take this guy to be my heir. And then God says, no. And this comes the famous verse. Uh, he says, I will give you a son. And it'll come from you. And it says, and Abraham believed in the Lord and it was credited to him as righteousness. Four mm. verses later. And that's the foundational verse of Abraham became born again. Mm. He mm. believed in God and it was credited him as righteousness. Mm. We believe in God through the blood of Jesus Christ and it's credited us as righteousness. Now we have the righteousness of Christ in us and mm. we have salvation like Abraham did by faith. So anyways, wow, that's... Uh, 
That's a lot right there. Yeah, right there. Okay. <laughs> well, thanks for listening to the podcast. No, no, we got lots more to go. And, we do. Uh, because we want to talk now about the, the character or the attribute that goes along with this name Adonai. Yeah. And we want to talk about sovereignty. There you go. So yeah. sovereignty is actually not an attribute, but it's an action over creation. Yeah. So, I, I like that you say that. There's action with yeah, it, isn't it? Yeah. And Grudem, Wayne Grudem defines sovereignty as this guy. Who's Wayne Grudem? Oh, he's just a guy. <laughs> Some guy we just Some guy. Him. we googled him and found his name and said, "Hey, let's, let's lose his. Let's lose his." That yeah. looks good. Yeah. How many? To- okay, so a little rabbit trail. We haven't yeah. had a rabbit trail in a while. You know, have you ever heard somebody speaking, or maybe you're a speaker yourself? You did this, and you find a quote, and then you realize the person that that might not want to use that person. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's like they might even believe exactly what you don't. So yeah, yeah. yeah. Exactly. But we use Wayne Grudem a lot. He wrote. Uh, uh, he's written tons of books. Uh, um, he's a theologian, he's written a lot of books, he wrote his famous systematic theology that's mm-hmm. still to this day, I think it's like 30 years old now probably, but it's still used in most good evangelical conservative seminaries. Mm-hmm. And so uh, we use it when I we disciple people. And he has a, a little bit simpler version of it called Bible Doctrine. So if mm-hmm. you want the big, thick tome, you get the systematic theology. If you want the little bit of still thick and it's still heavy is Bible doctrines. And then he has a little one. I forget the name of that. It does. But, yeah. That's the one I read. Theology <laughs> like. <laughs> Same concept, yes. just a little yes. easier. Yes, exactly. So there you go. Yeah. But, but Grudem says God's exercise of power over his creation. Yeah. That's, that's how sovereignty. he defines sovereignty. Yeah. yeah. Say it again. God's exercise of power over his creation. Yeah. Over his Creation. Now, I, I found this when I was just doing some research and uh, nerded out uh, one day, and I was reading all these different systematic theologies and doctrinal books and, and church history about how the, uh, sovereignty is defined. And uh, I love what I found by Charles Finney. Mm, can now, you explain that? Yeah, <laughs> since, you, since you asked me about Grudem, yeah. I'm asking you about Finney. Who yeah. is he? Charles Finney was uh, a revivalist in the Second Great Awakening in the 1800s that broke out in America. And he really became famous for, he was a lawyer who got dramatically converted and then went about preaching and, and actually founded, I think, did he found it? Oberlin College or he was a president, but um, very influential uh but it's really funny. A lot of reform guys don't like him because he mm. came up with altar calls and he, he in a, not invented, but he created, I think that what they called the anxious seat. You ever, you ever heard of that? No. Like that. So in tent revival wait, wait, wait. meetings, anxious, the anxious seat, the anxious. Yeah. Seat. When he's calling people okay. and he was a fire and brimstone, you know, you, you're turn or burn. You're going to go to hell if you don't accept <laughs> Jesus Christ. And people would get so excited, so nervous. And so I want to be safe. He'd make them come forward and sit on the anxious bench. And that was yeah. kind of thing like an early altar calls and, and that. And, and so, but he leaned, had some more Arminian theology, a little less um, divine sovereignty, a little stronger on free will. And we've mm. talked about that so much. And we'll yep. talk about, actually, we're going to talk about that in uh, a follow-up podcast here on sovereignty. But all that to say, that was a lot, wasn't it? <laughs> yeah. You know, when you ask it's me okay. a question, you're going to get a lot. Yeah. So I love how he defined, why don't you read for us what his definition of sovereignty was? Okay. God consulting his own intelligence and discretion in the selection of his end and the means of accomplishing it. In other words, the sovereignty of God is nothing else than infinite benevolence directed by infinite knowledge. 
Yeah, that's just that's that's a great definition. And I, my reason for doing this is, uh, if you come from what's called an Armenian background, if you're Methodist or Nazarene or uh, some of the other denominations from Jacob Arminius and 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 that you. You always feel like you're on the defensive because the reformed people are like, you don't really believe in sovereignty. You know, you're just all free will. No, all of them. Jacob Arminius believed in God's sovereignty. Mm. So let's not throw our brothers under the bus if you're on that camp. You know, let's hold each other of, okay, we have some tension we're holding here. But all Even of us- though there were no buses when they were alive. <laughs> Everything don't throw each Sorry. other under a cart and horse okay <laughs> so but this just shows they all believe in the sovereignty of god you can't escape it from the bible yeah and uh yeah so anyways actually let's go off on a rabbit trail here paul it's mm. not even in our notes I, I just realized we never really talked much uh, we didn't talk much yet about where, where in the bible is this idea of sovereignty come from mm. yeah okay well it comes from genesis 1 1 mm. If God created the heavens and the earth, if he created, he's over it. He's sovereign over it. Yeah. But especially if you look at Hebrew, um, if, if you want to do this whole research on your own, if you ever want to wrestle with this, and after the, you hear our talk today, you might be wrestling with it. You want to read Ephesians chapter one, mm-hmm. especially verses three through 15 or 14, sorry. And you want to read Romans chapter nine. Those two chapters will clearly show you that it does not depend on the man who wills or the man who runs, but on God who, um, God is, but a God who shows mercy. Mm. Sorry, I just drew a blank there. In Ephesians, that God did it according to His counsel, according to the riches of His grace mm. that He defined. You know, He perfected for us, salvation for us. Yeah. So those two chapters are the basis. Now, there's so many others we can go to. The, I mean. Oh, three, I said, Genesis 1, 1. If he created it, he's over it. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. Um, anyways, but the other idea I want to bring up here is the idea of freedom. Okay. We're going to talk about human freedom in a second, but people never think about God's freedom. Mm. In actuality, God is the only free being ever that's ever existed. Mm. Because to be ultimately free, you can have no constraints. Huh. Right? I mean- yeah. You know, yeah. I want to be free, you know. I mean, okay, what does that mean? Well, you're never completely free if there's somebody over you. Mm. If there's somebody who can alter your decision, there's somebody who can influence your decision because of their position, their strength, or you know that kind of thing. God must be free. In fact, God, He's the only free being. Adam wasn't free because angels weren't free because there was God over them. But there's nothing over God, and that means God does things only for his pleasure and his will, not because of outside influences forcing him to do it. Mm. So that's that's just an interesting idea to throw out there. Yeah. And because of that, and then because God is free, and it also affects his other attributes. You want to talk about yeah. that for a second? Yeah. Well, you know, it, there are words that we necessarily don't find in the Bible per se, but um, omnipotence. Yeah. You know, some people, when you look at the word written, it looks like omnipotence. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you your know? first time you're going to say omnipotent when you yeah, see it. Yeah, or omniscience. We say omniscience. We don't say omniscience, but yeah. I mean, yeah, omniscience. Yeah. So, Why don't you define both Yeah, those yeah. So omnipotence, it, it's the doctrine that God is able to do all of his holy will. Yeah. He's all powerful, in yes. essence. Yes. He's all powerful. Yes. Nothing can stop his will. Yes. There's nothing is stronger or beyond his control on that. Yeah. And there's a lot of questions that come with that. And no. we're going to talk about this in our next podcast. Yeah. But omnipotence and then omniscience. And this is just the doctrine that God fully knows himself and all things are actual and possible in one simple and eternal act. Yeah. In other words, 
he's all knowing. Yes. Yeah. So okay. all powerful, yeah. all knowing. I know those are big. The other words are big words that we don't um, necessarily use, but they're great words. They're biblical words. Yes. Yeah. But if he's not all powerful, he can't be sovereign because somebody could beat him up. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, somebody yeah. could thwart his will. Somebody yes. could tell him no, and he couldn't change that. Yeah. If God's not all knowing, then he doesn't know the outcome. He doesn't know how it's going to play out. And boy, if you've been around some theology, new theology coming out in the last 30 to 50 years, you know that I just raised a couple major questions that mm-hmm. we're going to tackle later on. But we want to get to the heart of it before we yeah. just get into some theological arguments. Yeah. So, yeah. And the other idea I want to bring up that a lot of people might be confused about. It's an old term we don't hear much anymore, but it's the term providence. Mm. If you read any of the old writings, they talk a lot about providence. Mm. And even if you read a lot of our early church, I mean, sorry, even the early fathers of America, the founding fathers and that, and you read the writings, they talk a lot about providence, how- Providence uh, of God. Yeah, the providence of God. And they'll talk about the divine providence influenced us and led us and that. I like what Piper said. Piper wrote this 900 page. I think it's nine. It might be 700 pages. He's great, but he's wordy. Man, that guy can. Yeah, he's a precise guy. Yeah, I don't know what he is on the disc, but I would think uh, the disc uh, personality (laughs) test, but I would think he would be a C somewhere on there and uh, very detailed. But he wrote this book titled Providence, and I like what he says here. So he says, the reason this book is about the providence of God rather than the sovereignty of God is that the term sovereignty does not contain the idea of purposefulness action, but of the, but the term providence does. So let me say that again. Sovereignty does not contain the idea of purposeful action, but the term providence does. Sovereignty focuses on God's right and power to do all that he wills, but in itself, it does not express any design or goal. In other words, sovereignty just means God can do it. Providence means that he designs things. Like he ordained it? Well, no, kind that's of? more providence. Providence means there's a plan. That's what I mean. Yeah. Providence. Yeah. yeah. So that yes. would be, that has more the idea of God's ordaining it. Yeah. So when you say, okay, this happened in my life, it was not because of God's sovereignty. Mm. That's just the ability him to do it. It was because of his providence it means it was a part of his design, divine plan. Mm. But in today's society and most theologians and most Christians, we use those terms interchangeably. And that's how we're, we're not, yeah. so technically, yes, we're going to talk more about divine providence today than we are about divine sovereignty, mm. but we're using them interchangeably. But I just thought that was an interesting thing. And um, if you want to read Piper's 700 and some page book <laughs> and write me a review, I'd love to read it. So even the reviews on that book wear me out. <laughs> so example. So let's, let's get into it, Paula. I think for our listeners and for us ourselves, when we were just talking about this and discussing it in our last couple of days in our lives, talking about how people in the Bible handled, you know, how they handled sovereignty. Cause a picture yeah. is better than just a bunch of words. Yeah. And yeah. Example seen. Yeah. That. And so, they did. Yeah. I mean that the people of God questioned God. Yeah. And you know, Joseph is one of our favorite ones in Genesis 50. Why don't you paint a picture of Joseph? Why would he even question the sovereignty of God? Well, you know, betrayed by his brothers, thrown in a pit, taken off to a foreign land, you know, thrown in jail, rises up, comes out of jail, is um, misaligned by Potiphar's wife, mm-hmm. who accuses him of things he never did. Yeah. He was a righteous man. Yeah. He really was. Yeah, and it's the one thing we don't find too many things bad said about him in the no, Bible. It wasn't like don't. Moses was a murderer, David's an adulterer and a murderer. That You don't find too much about Joseph yeah. written bad negatively. No. 
No. He might have had a big mouth with his brother. They well, need to go yeah. brag about <laughs> yeah. They were going to bow down to him one day. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Dad wasn't too thrilled about finding out. Dad, dad Jacob, his dad, wasn't too thrilled about finding out he was going to bow before him, too. Yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah. That might have been Timing is everything. That yeah. would be a perfect yeah. example of that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But he says, uh, but it says in Genesis 50, When it was all 20, said and done. Yes. When it was all said and done. And uh, he's standing before his brothers one day. What does he say? Yeah, he says, but as for you, you meant evil against me, but God meant it for good in order to bring about this present result to preserve many people alive. If that's not an example of providence, I don't know what is. Yeah, yeah. He trusted God. I went through all this because God had a plan and God it was had to bring a about this plan. good thing. And, yeah. and he was a little blessed because he got to see the plan play out because he yeah. got rescued from all the negative. But yeah. but he realized what happened in his life was because of God's plan. And that's believing in God's sovereignty right there. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I think the other great example that everybody would relate with and knows about is Job, because yeah. we always talk about Job. Um, Job is the oldest book in the Bible, isn't it? That's I mean, what everybody it says. It doesn't start before Genesis, so we yeah. don't see it there, but um, chronologically, it's the oldest book. And it, it, it talks about where Job is questioning God. We're well into the book in Job 40. Well, let's talk about what happened to Job first before, I mean, That's why, true. why would he have any, did Thank you think he had any right that. to question yeah. God's sovereignty or anything. I mean, yeah. let's face it. You're sitting at your house one day and you come and they, they tell you, you've just lost all your assets. Let's put it in modern day terms. Yeah. Your bank account just got wiped out. You were you invested in FTX and you lost all your... Oh, that's not funny for some listeners. I'm yeah. sorry if you... <laughs> you know, it was a stock market crash, whatever. You lost every penny that you had. And that's what happened. They just kept coming and saying, all your... St- crops have been taken all of your uh animals have been taken and right through raids and stuff things have been burned down and then you're sitting there just devastated because you just lost all your financial resources and then to find out all your kids were gathering in a house and they were all killed yeah wow and then we've talked about this before what's the worst chapter in the bible in doug lay's humble opinion job (laughs) chapter chapter two two. (laughs) really not only that, then Job gets all these horrible sores on his body, a nagging wife and bad friends. I mean, Job, you would think he, uh, you know, had some right to complain and like, yeah. question God's sovereignty. And yeah. is God really in control of this thing? Who's running this circus? You know, he <laughs> might have been thinking yeah. that in his mind. But uh, what does he ultimately say at the end? Yeah. Well, after we go through 40 chapters, or yeah. at that point, I guess 38, yeah. where God, where Job is questioning God and, and he's his going friends back are and trying forth, to yep, give answers. Going back and forth yes. with his friends and then all God that. shows up. <laughs> yeah. And yeah, boy, yeah. does he show up. And God, yeah. And the Lord says then to Job, will the fault finder contend with the Almighty? Let him who reproves God answer it. Then Job answered the Lord and said, Behold, I am insignificant. What can I reply to you? I lay my hand on my mouth. We use that phrase, both of us, both of us. And uh, do you even know this? Here's another little tidbit you can learn on the podcast about me, honey. <laughs> you know, when I go in, you know, my, we've talked about my ritual before. First thing I do when I wake up in the morning after splashing some water on my face and then I come into my room and I face toward Jerusalem and I get down on my knees and I say the Lord's prayer. But do you know before I bow, I place my hand over my mouth. Wow. And it's a symbol that. of this saying, yeah. I am submitting myself to God. Yeah. Because I, again, if you don't know, we lived in the Middle East for many years and I learned how Muslims submit to Allah. That's what Islam means, submission and stuff. And they're like, they don't question the sovereignty of Allah. And I'm like, and here us Christians, we think we can just tell our God what we can you yeah. know, do. And I realize, no, 
we like Job, I place my hand over my mouth. I'm going to yeah. submit to him. Yeah. So, and I actually, I love that. I didn't <laughs> know that because um, the one thing that you probably don't know as well is that I actually do this when I'm questioning God. When I find myself dealing with personal issues, not just personal, it might be happening to somebody else mm -hmm. that I don't understand, I literally take my hand and I put it over my mouth. Mm -hmm. And it really is, who am I to question God? Yeah. And it's a physical, it's a physical act that helps me recognize. I've, I've shared in other podcasts the way I open my hands when I'm struggling with something and giving it back to God. This is just a physical, it's a physical act that I do to kind of like remind myself, you know what, I'm not God. Yeah. If you're any uh, aspiring PhD students out there, I'm sure that's, you know, a lot of our podcast listeners are aspiring PhD students <laughs> who want to go on and get their theology degrees. You know, it'd be a fascinating study. Uh, I've never actually systematize this, but just from my own pursuing of, of commentaries and books on Job, reading what modern writers write about Job versus what older writers write about Job, mm. they recognize God's sovereignty and Job's submission to it. Mm. And it seems like modern writers are always trying to twist it. Like God didn't really mean to say that and Job really, you know, mm. and it's trying to soften a little bit. There's, there's really no softness with, with the book of Job. No, God does not acquiesce or you know, condescend himself to Job, condescend himself is not the right word, uh, humble himself before Job. I mean, why don't you read, uh, there's another passage we wrote down about Job in Job 42 that's pretty powerful also. Yeah, and it says, then Job answered the Lord, I know that you can do all things. No purpose of yours can be thwarted. You asked, who is this who darkens my counsel without knowledge? But I have declared without understanding things that are too wonderful for me to know. You said, God, pay attention and I will speak. I will question you and you will answer me. I had heard of you by the hearing of the ear, but now my eye has seen you. Therefore, I despise myself and I repent in dust and ashes. <laughs> yeah. Who is like Job today? I mean, we, God has to answer me. It's my right that God answers me. Yeah. And, and Job got it. Job yes. understood God's sovereignty. Yes. God and his divine plan. And again, we'll talk more about this, but he allows Satan. Now, God didn't cause any of the evil. We'll talk about God because that's one of the questions we'll wrestle with. Yeah. Because we're going to bring yeah. up the, the, the objections to divine sovereignty. Yeah. That, the atheists, right? Some of the liberal Christians argue against, like the book of Job. Sometimes Christians. <laughs> yeah, well, I don't think they're Christians, but that's... No, <laughs> no, I meant oh. Christians. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. We don't actually like how Job ends. I, well, we like how it ends, but we don't yeah. like it. But God did allow Satan and gave permission for Job to go through that. And Job recognizes it. And instead of complaining, what does he do? He repents and ashes yeah. and dust. That is accepting divine sovereignty. It is. And he was not offended by God. Yeah. Yeah, that's good. Well, you know, Paula, we're getting ready to move into that next person that we really, really want to um, talk about. Yeah. and uh, But I don't want to. We're going to do a teaser. <laughs> if you really want to know. So we're not even going to bring up the question mm. that, that ultimately you're going to have to wrestle with. We're going to save it next Next time, I want to do the emotional. We're going to go completely emotional next time. Let's call it out on air. I'm going to prophesy and predict it right now. <laughs> that and and the pod, I think it's going to be the next podcast because we want to throw a Christmas one in there. 
Um, so we don't know how this is actually going to time Christmas out. name of God. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, but when we do the next podcast on the sovereignty of God, I completely want to, uh, to mess with all of our emotions, you mm. and I and all our listeners, uh, because this is an emotional thing. This is not just a theological, theoretical study on the sovereignty of God. Yeah. It is emotion. But let's go back to the names wrestling with the sovereignty of God. You have Adonai mm-hmm. and you have Yahweh. Mm. And you have what with those things? You have covenant and you have power, sovereignty, mm. master, Lord. Yeah. And that's who our God is. Yes. Yeah. So, um, I, I, yeah. did you have anything you want to add before we just kind of close it out? Well, I, I think one of the things that it's very easy to accept God as Yahweh, but we don't always want to accept him as Adonai. Yeah. Do we? Yeah. We want the personal relationship. I can call him Abba Father. Yes. And, but we don't want to call him Master or Lord. Yeah. I was just talking to some disciples this week, uh, guys I'm making, guys I'm discipling. And uh, I, I actually brought this up. I said, you know, there are passages in the Bible when you're, especially when you're evangelizing, and you're talking, where Jesus is um, very loving. Come to me, all you are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon me and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble of heart. Those passages, we just Sermon you know, on turn the, mouth. the other cheek, do yeah, good to those. Blessed are the poor. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. But then you have, the, you have the Jesus who makes a scourging whip and goes in and starts turning over tables and you know basically beating people. That's <laughs> yeah, a little rough maybe, but it was a pretty rough scene in the temple. Mm -hmm. Enough that they wanted to kill him for what he did. Mm -hmm. He's telling people, he's calling his best friend Satan. I mean, you know, get behind me, Satan, he says to Peter. He's telling his disciples, you who does not hate his father and mother and wife and children and brothers and sisters, just even his own life cannot be my disciple. Talking about carrying your cross, which is carrying Mm -hmm. your death instrument around. There are these passages too that we have to wrestle with. Mm -hmm. And that's what sovereignty is all about. We want the gentle Jesus. We want the covenantal God. But do we really want the God of Adonai? Do we really, not God of Adonai, do we really want Adonai, the sovereign Mm. Lord? Can you find it there? There's that passage in Isaiah 25, 8. And uh, I really love this verse because it puts the two words together. And I love how the New English translation does it because they put Adonai, Yahweh, listen to how it translates it, but listen to what our covenantal God who loves us and our sovereign Adonai God, who's all powerful, listen to what he does in the end. Okay, this is Isaiah 25, 8. He will swallow up death permanently. The sovereign Lord will wipe away the tears from every face and remove his people's disgrace from all the earth. That's what Adonai Yahweh will do. And that's our hope. That's why we study the names and the attributes of God. 